0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Curator Ministries.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Table. You're here today with uh, Pastor Maria Reynolds. I'm in the studio today with my man, Sam, my producer, and my husband, Doug. Thanks for joining me today, babe. Great to be here. Well, Doug has been enthralled lately in this new book he's been he's just very excited about i have to admit i haven't been able to read it yet so i was going to try to pick it up once he put it down i think you finished it last night
2: No, i'm still about 50 pages short
1: okay well, by the weekend's end, I should be able to dive yes. in myself, which I'm really excited about. But the name of the book is called Human Types, Essence and the Enneagram. It's by an author named Susan Zanos. Um, and again, I'm going to rely heavily on Doug to kind of explain what has captivated him about this book, because I haven't had the opportunity to myself. But I did do a little bit of research before we came in, Doug, about what the Enneagram is, because I get the impression that's what they rely heavily for in the book. Is that accurate?
2: So the Enneagram isn't what they Rely on the Enneagram in many respects is the or the one is sort of the um, the best word for it um, cultural um, shorthand for it, it's the kind of tool that people kind of play with. Um, I'd heard about the Enneagram. It's just the
1: personality test. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay.
2: But the book actually is a lot more about the logic behind it, other than in explaining why it actually works.
1: Okay, so let, let's let's do one piece at a time. So the Enneagram is literally a personality test. Um, lots of psychologists use it. Um, they use it in conjunction with the DSM um, five, but it's just um, a way to kind of measure um, your personality and give you an insight to what motivates you. Um, and kind of how you um, view and process information. Is that a fair assessment?
2: I th- yes. Okay. Yes. It, go ahead.
1: Um, once you've taken the test, and, and the tests will, like, it gives you an assigned number, one through nine. Now, the, the numeric value doesn't really hold much other than to tell you what number you are to, to look up sequentially what that means, because, like, one doesn't mean that you're better than a nine, let's say. Um, but it asks you questions, what I think is interesting. They're very vague, it seems like to me. Um, they seem that I took the test by the way yesterday. They seem very vague, and they seem very emotionally driven, right? So it it asks questions like, "Do you feel like security and safety are important? Agree or disagree?" Well, that's a very to me a very broad question, but very emotionally based question. Um. And what it's getting at is again, it's it's trying to uncover, unmask your personality trait and what drives your behavior, which I think is interesting um, when you look at the the nine numbers that that it that it. Um, Assigned to people, you took the test too. What was your What was your impression of the test itself?
2: So I took the test um, probably three or four years ago, the first time, mm-hmm. and I thought, hey, that's you know, it was kind of interesting. And I had done Myers Briggs personality tests probably maybe two or three times over the last twenty mm-hmm. years. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I had very little um, confidence in them the first both those tests, even in the interview, I'm Like, oh, that's
1: why did you why, why did you not have confidence in them? It's interesting.
2: Um, I just felt like that the questions were too vague in order to generate any truthful answer. And that, uh, uh, you know, how could it really be accurate, right? Or how could you really know that much just based on this small amount of questions? Um, And really, it was only as I've been reading more about the philosophy behind it and kind of the the origins of some of these tests, I've started to think, wow, there's a lot more to this. and I, maybe for the listeners, um, I met a gentleman that was one of the most, and I've told Maria about him, probably the most interesting person I've met in the last 20 years. Um, this guy was a, he had uh, dropped out of college after two weeks, had kind of been in different bands and just was a wanderer. And hes I was basically homeless is how he described it. And he saw a movie called um, Meetings with Remarkable Men, which the movie, I, I, it didn't seem all that interesting when I watched it. You can watch it on um, YouTube. But it was based on the philosophy of a gentleman named George Gurdjieff. And George Gurdjieff actually considered himself a Christian esoterist. Hmm, um, that's
1: an interesting combination. That's
2: what he called himself. When people would ask him what his religion was, and he'd say, I'm a Christian esoterist. And uh, so that, you kind of got going down that. And the first few times, I read maybe um, the first couple hundred pages of a book and it was pretty out there in the sense of very hard to read mm-hmm. and so i was telling very my,
1: theological based very theological philosoph- based. philosophical and
2: he said well the, the book you really need to read is is this and he sent it to me my friend did um he said which gives you a lot of the um practical sides of it without Without as much of the the philosophy, I've actually been going back and reading some of that too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he goes into talking about like where does wisdom come from, where do different personalities come from. And his whole theory was there's um, basically three paths to wisdom, and he calls them the path of the yogi, of the um, fakir, or the monk and so they're based on like the active your centers can either be you can have an emotional center a physical center or an intellectual center Mm -hmm. the three types and so whenever those three paths are the how people um, can pursue those pursue those paths and basically based on what type of person they are they're more likely to go down one of those three paths but that everybody has all three of those all three of those each of Everybody has one of those three as their center of their personality, mm-hmm. sort of the basis of his, of his logic, or his philosophy. And the enneagram is basically a measurement of those three things, um, and then how these different, how these different, and then sh- the way they talk about it, you have those three things, and then you underlay over that um, two key variables. Um,
1: so basically, it's what I'm hearing you say is the enneagram takes what you just said, his philosophy takes information, condenses it, and puts it in layman's terms. Yes. So that we can understand it. Okay.
2: okay. Um, and it's sort of like a little test to say, hey, what, what, which one is your center? Mm-hmm. What, is, what type of person? When
1: you say center, what you mean is what is your motivator? Is that what you mean when you say center? What do you mean by center?
2: He would say like it's even much, much more than motivation. Like it is your essence. It says here okay. essence in the Enneagram. Like it is your essence. What if does you, he
1: define as essence?
2: Who you really are.
1: Okay.
2: Like deep, much deeper than like, you so know.
1: Not your identity, but just.
2: Deeper than your identity, okay. your essence, actually who you are. And so one thing
1: that in- So what uh, what I would say as a as a as a as a spiritual person is I would say it's it's my it is my spirit. This my spirit is my essence. Is is that what you're saying?
2: Yes. Okay. I would say that's a lot closer to it. Okay. And then how does that spirit manifest itself? What okay. do you see as the evidence of that spirit? Mm-hmm. Um that's what he. That's how he would put it. Okay. And so, what I think is interesting is she actually talks about the science behind it. Like you have different. Um, everybody has different uh, glands and chemistry in the actual chemistry of it. Right. Somebody that is what they call, uh, like the mercurial, which is like you have quick, you have uh, quick to, quick actions that type of thing, um, quick to anger. Right. You probably have a chemical. You know whatever gland that is, I, I, she described it, like the thyroid gland may may make that. If you have more of that than something else, you're likely to be more, more crucial. Um, and if you have less of it, then you're likely not to have that as much. Like you're not going to have these quick to anger. Also, you're not going to be as quick to make a decision or quick to do things. You'll be slower. Kind of like when I pull up to the um, uh, drive through window at McDonald's, right? She laughs at me and says, "That's your kryptonite." That's I am true. Not, I'm not good at, like, quickly deciding what to get. Like, I have to look at the whole menu. What,
1: what I, what I observe, Doug, is, is this man is brilliant in so many areas of his life and just quick-witted and just articulate – and he will drive up to a McDonald's drive through, you know, board and you can literally see it. it's like overwhelming to him. He looks at it, he's like, uh like it's the board doesn't change. our order doesn't change. <laughs> and he can't even can't even like correspond with the woman on this It's like he can't even correspond with the woman on this. it's it's bananas. The kids laugh. It's it really is it's something to behold. It's something very funny to watch. <laughs> but it is your kryptonite, I think. Too much information at one time to have to process for you.
2: Yes, because somebody else goes to it and they quickly make a decision. They already know what they want before they show up there, and it's just batter out what they want, right? I have to read everything on the menu first and then figure it out. or it's, uh...
1: But what's interesting, because I would fall on the ladder. Like I drive up, I already know what I'm going to order before I even go up to the things. I'm in, I'm out because I'm, I'm a very fast-paced person. But the downfall to people like me is that because I don't take the time to read everything on the menu, I miss lots of opportunities. I miss lots of things. Do you know what I mean? And so you're one that's very observant and willing to try new things, where I am more prone to, um, to sticking a pattern of behavior. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And it, it what we did a Myers Briggs personality test um, at our office a few, maybe a few months ago, like everybody did. It was a group exercise, and I don't know if you've ever been in like one of those type of things at your business, but pretty much everybody there hate did not want to be there. Right? This why? is why. Like what now? Why because they got bids to do. Okay, like they just, it wasn't
1: that they didn't want to take the test. They just they were just busy.
2: Yeah, I mean, okay. normally like we do, that. okay, you know, we're going to have a meeting today. And unless it's like, and we're going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, recycling. Or anytime you're doing a meeting that's not about people's core business, like they feel like, oh, this is like you know, corporate telling us, you know, we, we got to go do something. And it generally just like, you can just tell people's, oh, I got to go do this. We're required. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most insightful um, things you could tell, like a couple of the people actually brought the lady back and did it on their own really? with their groups, with their small, like with their like just a transmission group, because yeah. um, they were so impressed with the things like she said she would predict about different groups, and they were just exactly right. Um, and you know, I even picked up on um, some things that I do that probably um, were not. Constructive that were bad. Like I have a tendency. Yeah, I have a tendency. Anytime somebody wants to talk about their title, just to completely um, disregard it. Right. Like it doesn't mean anything to me. Like if you want to, people say, "Oh, I want to go. We want to be with Western Water. Can I put on my title that I'm the uh, associate director?" Right. And my general response is, you can put on there that you know, you're head of the Communist Party if you think it'll get us the work, right? To me, that value, I value to them, that's something they find very important is their title, right? Because I don't find it important. Um,
1: so what I hear you say is that, is that some individuals find their worth in their title yes. or their identity. But you do not? No. Where do you find your worth in your identity?
2: So what they were saying on that is, how do you express... Um, you know that type of thing or uh worth right Mm -hmm. and so one thing with me is is would you rather get like uh, a title or would you rather be shown appreciation right so to me like somebody that shows you appreciation is a lot more than giving me a title or calling me something higher
1: can you branch and want both is that a possibility
2: of course, and some people are. On one in one thing about these tests is sometimes you're on the edge of something. You're almost everybody has multiple centers, right? It's not yours. It, there, there is some people that may be just the ideal, or you know, very far on this end. But also, a lot more people are more toward the middle, right? They got some qualities of being um, a two, with also qualities of being an, a, a three. So, on mine, like it says, I'm a, I'm right in between a seven and an eight, just a little bit more towards seven than eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, you, you're you going to have some of those both as close. Well, some of you might be like a pure seven or some people I'm like, I think Grant did. He was, the, I think a six and a two were almost equal on his. So, you know, I, I would say, yes, you can. I'm probably a little bit extreme like that. As I say, like the, the you know, I, I was like, "Well, the title doesn't matter." Is what right. I'm telling that person, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, before we get too big, we we're talking a lot about numbers, so let me go over with the listeners what the n- numbers what they are associated with, so they can kind of better understand what you're saying when you say, "Oh, Grant was a six and a two, and I'm a seven. Um, So there's nine types. I'm on this personality assessment on the Enneagram. Um, If you're given a number one, you're called the reformer. So typically uh, you're rational and idealistic. Um, You're principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and a perfectionist, which I think is interesting. Um, If you're given a number two, you are a helper. This is what I was actually... Um, assigned. Uh, you're caring interper- you're a caring interpersonal type with the demonstrative, generous, people pleasing and a possessive nature. ouch, but maybe true. <laughs> if you're given a number three, you're an achiever. Um, you're a success and orient. you're success orientated, you're pragmatic, adaptive, you're excelling, very driven, and you're very image conscious, which I think is interesting. Um, if you're given a four, you're the individualistic so you're sensitive, a withdrawn type, you're expressive, you're dramatic, self-absorbed, which I think is interesting, and very temperamental. Um, if you're given a 5, you're investigative. I have read that they are this is the most they would have they tend to have the highest IQ. This is as the least percentage-wise, the least amount of people fall in this category. Um, you're intense and a cerebral type. You're, per- you're perceptive, innovative, um, and you're isolated, which I think is interesting, and secretive. Um, a six is a loyalist. Um, you're committed, and you're in your security-orientated. You're engaging, responsible, anxious, but yet suspicious. That was Grant. That was Grant. That's interesting. Um, a seven. Here's Doug. The enthusiast. <laughs> the busy, fun-loving type. You're spontaneous. I agree with that. You're versatile distractible and scattered (laughs) (laughs) hence the menu board at mcdonald's (laughs) um if you're given number eight you're the challenger you're uh the powerful dominating type you're self-confident you're decisive you're willful but you're also confrontational and if you're given a nine, you're the peacemaker. You're easygoing, self-effacing, effacing, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and you're also complacent, which I think is—I think those are interesting. I think those are interesting broad stroke broad stroke observations. So you said that you fall in the seven, right? Is that what you said? Yes, seven. And you said you have a more descriptive um, list of what of what, what your of what your results were, right? You're reading me earlier.
2: I can pull that up. Yeah.
1: So why don't we put a pin in it right here? Um, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back. We'll have him give some more descriptive lists on what the um, on what the Enneagram come up with his personality type. We'll be right back.
0: Join us as we change the world.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. Before the commercial break, we were talking about this personality test um, that Doug had his employees take. Well, actually, you all took the Myers-Briggs, but a personality test that that Doug had his employees take um, as a team building exercise um, at work. And he was really excited about it, and so he came home and actually found this, through this book, another personality test called the Enneagram test that he wanted all of us to take. Um, I took mine last night. It takes about maybe five, eight minutes. Sam took it here in the studio right before we came on air. Um, It's really, really quick. Um, The results come back really, really quick. and so I was like you, a little um, <laughs> leery. I'm like, how in the world can someone, you know, derive my personality from just a, you know a few short questions and such broad stroke questions? And I also am like, because I'm a little skeptical, and I do have a background in psychology, so I'm well well acquainted with the Myers Briggs. Um, where I'm like, well, then you also have to like account for people answering questions how they see themselves maybe not actual reality (laughs) right Um, but anyway I would say I was actually surprised mine was actually I feel pretty pretty accurate Um, I feel comfortable I'll share mine Um, I was a type two called the giver Um, they would label me as being helpful nurturing and caring towards others because they want to belong and be loved by others they will rarely say no when asked for help and will often put others needs before their own Uh, We are empathetic and encouraging, finding great joy in supporting others. I would say that's pretty accurate, Sam, wouldn't you say? I would say. Um, Key personality traits would be a warm smile and warm eyes. I'm approachable. I radiate kindness. I'm a vocal volunteer activist, an excellent team player. I'm caring and gentle, nurturing and patient, smooth flowing movements, which I think is interesting. Uh, The deepest fear of twos is is the fear of being alone and unloved, and we cope with this fear by taking care of others and making ourselves central to our, our to other making ourselves central to other people's lives. Our core motivation uh, is we want to feel loved and appreciated, which motivates us to express love towards others in words and in actions. So I think that's a pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting rundown. What did your say, Doug?
2: So mine was a type of – was a seven. It said your basic fear is being deprived and in pain. Um,
1: (laughs) I would agree with the in-pain part. (laughs) So you know what's funny
2: about it is when I first first saw this, I was kind of like, you know, I was going through it. But then I think it's always like the things that you – the negative things yeah. to read about because you know, of course, they're going to say at the top everybody like you're a good person. And yeah, if you said like, hey, you a little bit, you're, you're a you know you're a five. You you you're terrible. Like I'm not do this <laughs> test, right? But I think it's funny is because it says on here um, um, one of the things it says like addict like things to watch out for addiction, mm-hmm. and it says cocaine and caffeine. Like
1: caffeine and caffeine. Oh my gosh,
2: she will tell you like. It's not a, It's like one of my biggest fears is when the power's off. Yeah. I can't make coffee first thing in the morning. That is it's like true. it's like a fear. <laughs> like right, like, I'm not. It doesn't gonna.
1: care if the hot water tank doesn't ha- doesn't work and we can't take a shower. No, no, nay. no. I need a coffee
2: in the morning. <laughs> right, like I don't mind if I don't have one in the evening. Right, but it's that it's that I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning. I'm not gonna be able to have coffee when I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't worry about the rest of it. Right, mm-hmm. it's it's much less. Um, That's interesting. It, yeah, this, the other one it said was like fear of missing out, right? Yeah. Or um, that you're always so busy, like you know, you have to have a television on or something else going um, all the time. Which is definitely that's me.
1: very true. That is very true. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So now that you've you've done this, you've experienced this in the workplace. How do you think it would be beneficial for listeners who maybe are intrigued by this by a test or intrigued by what you would do with the with the results this because they're fun right these are fun to kind of but but an application like how can you apply this and it be meaningful or whatever how do you think it would benefit you as an employer to know the personality traits and the motivators of your employees
2: so i actually had that discussion um yesterday with the gentleman and he was saying it's his key thing in managing because i try to Um, Take things away from people that they are not suited to do Mm -hmm. and not have them do. Everybody has to do some things they're not suited to, but to do as little as they can and try to give those activities to somebody more suited for them. Um, So if you have somebody like yourself, like, don't want you to be an accountant, right? Like, I'm going to take your accounting functions away from, from you and give it to um, somebody, he would say what they call it in this, but they, they use these planets that's so how they describe the numbers. They call it lunar. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that, that that would like that that likes accounting that likes accounting or likes you know very tedious things. That um, so I think as an employer you ought to say hey maybe this person's not suited for what I'm asking them to do and how do I help them be successful if I know that um, you know they're doing this different set of skills. All right, I want to have different people do different things to be successful. I think every organization can benefit from that
1: that's interesting because i was reading yours and mine privately one of the things that it said was that and i would agree with this just people with your numeric type um are incredibly creative so you'd be one do wonderfully at like a brainstorming section you know session or having innovative ideas um but maybe not maybe not be great at spearheading those alone right That you would need People around you to kind of help move the ball, uh, which I think is interesting. And when you would look at my type, um, I'm a good team player, but I need to feel like what I'm doing has meaning. I, just, I would not be good at, at just like tedious, what I would view as tedious work. I would not work well or it would not be fulfilling and I probably wouldn't thrive in that type of environment, which I think is interesting. Um, if you, and I don't know the answer to this, so I'm gonna just throw this out there. Let's say that, because I can even see this even in ministry. Like even in the church, I know Pastor Kevin um, has asked us all to be very, you know, you know, vigilant or about like if there are new members that come, be 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 mindful and you know speak to them and say hello and make connections and get to know them. And I'm just very transparent. I'm horrible faces and names like I could probably see you for a month and be like you're a new member I mean, I'm horrible at it and it gives me incredible anxiety to, <laughs> to try to span the crowd and look for new people because I know that that's, that that's a weakness of mine um, he doesn't know that's a weakness of mine but that's just me being transparent so I wonder if like when we look at even areas to serve in ministry because I would say if you're in ministry you probably are a helper type you're probably a type 2 you're probably going to gravitate towards a ministry calling if you weren't right? Um, If you could also pick out areas of strengths and weaknesses, and like you said, put them in areas where they're going to thrive and not feel like, oh my gosh, I'm letting everyone around me down. Is there a way um, that you can identify those things in people if they've never taken a test like this?
2: So it's interesting you say that, and, and Maria has said to me by looking at people um, in different roles in, in businesses, oh, that person's not going to be good for that, right? Um, it's interesting. And I always sort of almost dismissed it as like, eh, that's a little bit uh, judgmental.
1: Yeah, you called me that several times. <laughs> <laughs> I call it discerning, but he calls it judgmental. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead.
2: what's interesting is, is on the Myers Briggs, one of the things is, is judgment. Mm-hmm. And you, do you judge things or perceive them? And on mine, I'm ENTP, so. Perceive versus judge, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little different. So, um, but there actually, this book talks a lot about there's like these prototype of the way actually these people look and physically, physically, Mm -hmm. um, how they carry themselves, what you're likely to see. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it does say you know you can take somebody and they can have a you know a certain health regiment or something else and throw you off some. So it's not a that's harder, but. Um, even even in that role, you can perceive the way people are. Are they extroverted? Are they outgoing? Right? Or are they not? And it's something you probably it's probably very innate. You cannot teach somebody that mm-hmm. they're they're doing something that they find to be even if they're introverted. If they're having to do something extroverted. It is much harder for them, and they're less likely to be effective at it.
1: Yeah. What's interesting is that again, you know, your book would call it you know judgment. Um, we from you know from a spiritual standpoint would call it discernment i would call that that's a a discern a discerning spirit that god's that's god's given me but i can tell you that i was able to um flex to not flex that but to uh, build that when i was in the gym business i was in the gym business for for several years and i learned very quickly that the outward casing doesn't always reflect the, the the inward drive and to have to be able to quickly discern, okay, who who is, who is here that really wants to be here to benefit from the service and who is just here because they need to check the, check the mark. Yeah, I went to the gym today, but they're not really here to make any difference. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you learn to kind of navigate through that and and kind of go through that quickly and get to that, that that answer quickly, then you tend not to waste a whole lot of, of energy and time in someone that's not really there that wants to benefit from your Service does that make sense? That makes sense. I remember um, sitting in a in a in a uh, a dinner with you once, and we were you were you actually I think had already hired the gentleman. You had had a gentleman down. Uh, do you remember this years ago for a um, for a uh, position? And I don't think I even said two words to the man. I just listened and observed. And it was probably a, a table full of ten people or more. And I remember when I left you left that meeting or left that dinner I was like he's, he's not going to last and you're like what how would you say that and I'm like I'm, I'm just telling you the things that I picked up just in watching his body language watching the body language of his wife I'm like they it's not going to last and it didn't which, what, which one was this? I don't want to disclose names but okay. this was this was a, a dinner party that we had uh, with, with a new hire. Okay. Um, but anyway. Um, it's interesting um when you learn to kind of exercise exercise and it can come off judgmental sometimes you don't mean for it to um again i would call it discerning but (laughs) (laughs) anyway um do you think do you think and this is and this is something actually i kind of was pondering today I, i think that i can see um, how your different, how your personality can affect the way that you work and how you find value in what you do. Um, I certainly can see how it can affect your productivity and the types of work you should do. Like my type, I said you should be, you know, a, you know, a caregiver, or whatever. Do you think that your personality can affect the way you experience God?
2: Oh, I think a hundred percent.
1: How so? I was pondering that today. I couldn't. In what way do you think?
2: I think if you look at like a any church service, that there is different things in that service to appeal to different types of people, and, mm-hmm. and different ways to communicate and and engage people, and in their pursuit of of, of the Lord, and so. You know, if certain things, you know, I'm sure there's been sermons, um, the Pastor Kevin's gonna be like, that's really good. And there's probably some that you're like, I don't know what I'm talking about today. Like, I don't get that. And I think it's just because everybody there has, has different needs in their life and has a different way of perceiving things. And so, um, you know, I think knowing, as I said, it was saying there, hey, you know, here's things you need to look out for. Maybe if you're someone like me, you need the stimulants are the things you need to be careful of, you know, to avoid. And I think you know, the opposite side of that coin is other things and other types of service that that you can engage and have a deeper relationship with God.
1: It's interesting that you say that about the different ways to experience Him within a service. I can remember as a young Christian at another church, not this one, um, that you would see women when they would get excited or filled with the Spirit would run around the church. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I had experienced that several times in in my youth. And I remember thinking, gosh, I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to ever do that. But then part of me were like well why don't I ever want to do that like if I am I missing something are they catching something I'm not do you know what I mean and I remember feeling that way even when I would go up to have like hands laid on me for praying for prayer people would fall out all over the place and I've never wanted to do that I don't know I just didn't desire it you Mm -hmm. know what I mean I didn't fight it but I never experienced it either and I remember thinking well gosh is it because I'm closed off to it but I wonder if it just genuinely is a personality thing like I just don't experience him in that way. Um, and that maybe it's not that there's a deficit, it's just, it's just different.
2: Your centering isn't emotional. That's how that's how uh, would would put it. And his like your center is not. You don't have an, Your center of your essence is physical. Mm-hmm. And so, if it's not emotionally based, like you're going to have a very different experience. If it's intellectually based, like you're going to have a different experience. I can tell you, like it's interesting you say that because I've caught myself saying over the years, "That's a great sermon." I've never heard that sermon given that way, mm-hmm. right? So something that really reaches me is something that's novel that I've not heard it put in that way or that, right? So that's what really reaches me. Whereas um, someone else, it may be the music, right? It could be an emotional response to the music or something else.
1: Well, it's an interesting conversation. Thank you very much. Again, if you're interested in taking um, the test for yourself, it's called the Enneagram test, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. If you're interested in reading the book, it's called Human Types by Susan Zanos. Well, we appreciate your time. We will see you next week at the table.
0: Join us as we change the world.